0: Hello, this is Linda Vectris Nichols, and I have with me the most amazing person, Christina Wolf. Welcome, Christina.
1: Hello, Linda. How are you? Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, absolutely. This is going to be so cool. Yeah. So today we're taking a look at uh, the story within the book, Women Who Run With the Wolves. Uh, Soul skin, or actually starts with seal skin. Seal skin, soul skin. And before we get going, I would love to have Christina introduce herself to you. She has an amazing story of transformation. She is a powerhouse and has been through a lot, including plenty of trauma. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Go ahead, Christina. I'll let you go. Okay. So thank you. (laughs) I would say that the best way to describe me is a modern mystic who is all about learning the revelation of the soul journey and teaching others how to stay connected to source. And part of that is going through rites of passage in life that our society doesn't really have um, an archetype for. We don't really acknowledge it. And I think many of us are really starving on the inside at the soul level for some guidance to pass through these you know, like I said, rites of passage in life, and one of those for me was healing from the abandonment wound, and that started me into the work of early childhood trauma recovery, and I felt that in all the therapy and other modalities that I was working with, there was some element missing. It was the element of the soul that was missing, and so I started getting into shamanic practices, and in... Learning soul retrieval and and helping heal what's called soul loss, which ultimately is what happens to you when you have traumatic um, things happen to you in your life. Yeah, and so it evolved to where I help people heal themselves at the soul level for their early childhood trauma recovery, and helps learn self supporting um, daily sacred daily practices to help themselves through this process, through this rite of passage, and then that moves you through other rites of passage, like um, marriage, divorce, uh, early crone stage where you're pre-menopausal and then you go into the crone stage, and there's so many uh, rites of passage in our society that we don't acknowledge, and so I loved this story, um, and so... It's funny. We should mention uh, when you've brought up this book. When I was 17, when the book first came out in 1994, I believe, um, I was drawn to this book. Now we can go off on a tangent about how Wolf Spirit was, uh, you know, chose me. <laughs> but um, and and in a very literal way, later in life, I met a man and married him, and his name was Wolf. And I just, you know, wrote some uh, beautiful blog about process of wolf spirit working through others and um, to give you your greatest life lessons yeah right and, and
0: you, go ahead
1: yeah no and and so I felt when this book came out I was so drawn to it because she uh Clarissa Pinkola Estes is like speaking my language right nobody else had ever spoke my language I was very poetic I wrote a poem about it I was just like oh, I yeah, felt it home yeah it was it, it was like she understood the what i was trying to say in mm-hmm. this sense of wanting to rewild and go back to the soul level and um be I, I, a part of the poem is i'm searching for the handmade life where stories taught lessons and spiders crawled between your toes in harmony and there was this essence around seal skin soul skin the story that i totally related to where It's about returning to yourself, a loss of self, and returning to yourself. Mm -hmm. And what a rite of passage that is, especially if you're trying to recover from early childhood trauma.
0: Right. So you've had early childhood trauma. Then you were a veteran. So you had – do you actually have the diagnosis, like PTSD or post-traumatic stress?
1: I have um – personal trauma PTSD not like combat related, but to be honest with you most veterans their PTSD is Related to personal trauma and not oh, yeah. so much their their incident that they had maybe in combat or in, you know yeah. due to their active duty yeah. service, but it's more their their difficulty within connecting to all of their relatives family friends regular society <laughs> after having these traumatic events. Mm -hmm. So I totally relate to that. Yes.
0: Yeah. And then you're a police officer as well. And what Mm -hmm. area of that department do you work?
1: Well, I'm a deputy sheriff. And so the, the sheriff is the, an elected official. And so we work for the sheriff's office. I'm one of his deputy sheriffs and I work in the 288th district court as a bailiff right now, but I have worked in the jail. As a detention sergeant, I worked on the streets as a patrol officer. Um, you know, so multiple areas. Yeah. And so one of, the, one of the things that I found in my police training that was really helpful was we call it crisis intervention training. We are really the first line, the first responders. You know, if we have people who have suicide ideations and it's... In the medical field and in like the mental health field, they have something called trauma-informed care.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: for CIT training, um, we it's trauma-informed policing. So like to know, uh, what's this person going through before we resort to like deadly force or something yeah. like that, which is not yeah. necessary. These right. people need help. They don't need to be harmed further.
0: Yeah. So. Well, with the background and special ed, I totally get it because like we would have uh, bus drivers run after a kid and grab them on the shoulder and you know, it's like, no, no, it's not necessary to touch them. We do not yeah. touch them. You know, those mm-hmm. are our sensory defensive holy buckets. <laughs> All right. So, how to stay connected to your soul? So, you had a um, kind of intuitive hit come to you when you, like, even were drawn, you drew that book in at such a young age. And then um, you definitely had that life experience, um, journey, if you will, lack of better words, where you've, um, been applying it in order to just stay alive, stay sane, whatever. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. So how to stay connected to your soul? Like this is when I went into like deep meditation and I was asking, you know, source, higher self, like, what is my purpose here? And, um, Spirit tells me it's to teach other people how to stay connected to your soul, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> it took me a really long time to understand what this meant. For several years, I would say um, my relationship with my ex-husband when I got divorced that was the catalyst for my soul journey. For you know, wanting to return to self. Uh, if you're familiar, those of the people who have not maybe read this story, in a nutshell, this. Um, woman is a seal and she's dancing on an island and this man steals her seal skin and it's her soul skin as well. And he basically says, I need you to be my wife and stay with me for seven years and then I'll give it back to you. And I found this like analogy was parallel with the concept of not trusting yourself and giving up a sense of self. I married somebody who wasn't good for me who wasn't the right person for me and i knew that at the time and i feel like that was a sense of soul loss that was like giving up my seal skin to yeah. this person mm-hmm. and when i i knew deep down like i i need to return to me i need to return to myself right. that's what this whole chapter in this book is about returning to the self it's called homing returning to the self and so i think um men and women we Give up our sense of self many times for jobs, for uh, relationships, for you know who other people think we should be. And this journey of returning to self is definitely a rite of passage. Um, you you grow up, you you reach you know adulthood, then you come into your own, so to speak, and you go out and get the job, you get married, you do whatever. But at some point, if it's not in alignment with your soul, you're going to experience this need to return to yourself and so i started having this journey and then after my divorce i was like looking around for like people to help me understand this and therapy wasn't enough it was like we're talking mental but there's something at the soul level like this rewilding that this book talks about that was like i didn't have the language to articulate like I was yearning for something. I was yearning for a connection to nature. I was, this return to oneself. And so this very process, I wanted to kind of cut out all the drama and anguish for other people and say, this is what you're seeking. This is the piece that's missing. Yeah. You you want to reconnect to your soul. We live in a society that does not honor this connection. Right. In fact, it encourages you to stay disconnected. Right. All kinds of distractions we'll get into that later yeah. yeah
0: so uncover what you already know is the kind of that first step into getting back there so what did you like already know maybe what just made you really happy as a kid and you went back to doing that how did you you know like what was your first sort of uncover as you realized I gotta get back to my doll
1: so Around 2013 I I started having that real niggling feeling like okay. I know I'm in law enforcement, but Like there's another purpose here and and I I want to get back to the the girl who wrote poetry the girl who was you know really in her art and um, feeling in her purpose to help others and so When I joined um, Empowerment coaching um, school certification program, they are talking about parts of the self, and you have like the wounded self, and then you have the real self, and the whole process of empowerment coaching is to uncover the real self, which is whole already. We come here as a portal through our mothers from the divine realm, right, the spirit realm, and we're already whole, and we come here to learn these divine lessons, Um, and for me, one of them was the abandonment wound, and so I had to forget a lot. I had to feel that separation. Everyone who comes through their mother and is separated at birth has the abandonment wound to some extent, you know, and yep. that, that's a rite of passage. So the return to source, the return to we are one, the return to the divine self that is already whole and well and not broken or wounded, that's what we already know. Nice. We already know that. That's there. We just need to remember it. Yeah. And the
0: other thing is like the work I do is like that floating around out here. It's like, bring it in. <laughs> you yes. can leave your body anytime. In fact, many do, <clears throat> trauma victims, especially. And it's about um, embodiment. And when you hear like um, connect with your heart and, and it's like, that's the human still. It's like, get into that second chakra, get into your core, the core of your body, the true power of the body itself, bringing your soul in there, which is all powerful. Um, that's where your real power is here on earth as a human being.
1: Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, well, and it's funny you are mentioning embodiment exercises because in, in, Trauma recovery, they have somatic therapy, which is all about embodiment exercises. Yep. Because what do you do? It's actually a good thing to leave your body if you have a traumatic experience because you're protecting yourself. The problem is when you stay out of body (laughs) and it's painful to come back into your body and you stay in what we call a dissociated state. And again, that's... Many therapists work with like EMDR and all these other um, types of modalities, but I found working at the energetic level and doing soul loss recovery, you know, spirit recovery, soul retrieval, Mm -hmm. is the piece that helped me really reintegrate and come back into that sense of self that was what I already knew.
0: Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And you can stay in your body in trauma as long as you're connected to the left side of your brain where you can get logic over into the emotional pictures. Because then you're not gonna like wall it off and, and go into all kinds of issues with it. You're not just gonna be over there making these horror movies, so to speak. So, um,
1: yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, and, and two, there's a piece where those horror movies, they, they may have been encoded in a nonverbal state. Oh yeah, that's the worst. (laughs) And you may need to connect on in a nonverbal level to release them. So yeah,
0: there is that, although, you know, the work that my husband and I do, and it's all about verbal, but it's not about the story. It's about the sense, the words, though, the senses Mm -hmm. at at Q and A and kind of like, Just facts, ma'am. Just facts. (laughs) So they go. uh, Our clients go to a a memory of their choosing, and then we just have them go younger and younger. And we ask them questions about the memory, and um, whatever they've walled off, it's like it's got a sleeping dragon at the door or something, and Uh it stays asleep when things are sequential because it's savvy as heck, you know. And it just whatever, I don't need to be like. Defensive here is de- very deflective, and um, and then after we get the three memories, we start weaving through them, and it's out to lunch. It can't do anything. It's powerless. It can't do random. So the, the process mm-hmm. blows me away till this, this day. But it's just so interesting how the brain works, and um, you know, it was just way back here when you know all that trauma. Is stored in the cells but also working with it from the back going forward makes such a huge difference where the psychologists are front to back with sort of talk therapy and like you said well that wasn't enough you know and the modalities are going in and finding different blocks and yeah getting down to that very foundational and usually that one is um, that that happened nonverbal. That's another thing that we've noticed too. So this, I always love conversations with you because you still get all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh my no. Okay, so read and absorb as much as you can. So how did you do that? Well, I mean, obviously, women from the Wolves was a great Bible for you.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. It there to me essentially. I began, like, kind of a vision class to find people who spoke my language, and this lady was one of them, and, um, to this day, it was still a very profound, um, book to read. Like, I think you can get it at, at different levels, like, each, each stage of your life. Like, as a 17-year-old young woman, I had this idea of what it meant, and then yeah. maybe as in motherhood and in womanhood I had this idea and then I'm 42 now I'm not quite from stage but I'm I'm moving into what we call the soul years which is you know I'm my children are getting older I'm past that you know fertile air air era of my life where our culture tends to find women less of a um, asset if you're not fertile if you're not young or beautiful and so I find reading this story now even more meaningful because I lived it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't It wasn't a premonition or it wasn't prophetic as a 17-year-old. I've lived it now. I've, I've been through the relationship where I gave up my soul skin yeah. and I had to retrieve it. And now I'm just like the steel woman who... There, I was telling you in our little chat before here, like this really poignant moment in the story where the boy, her son, those of you who aren't familiar, she, she has a son with this man who steals her seal skin, her soul skin. And he promised to give it back to her after seven years. And she's as this, the eighth year comes upon her, she's losing vitality. Her hair's becoming white and falling out, her skin's brittle, she's losing her sight, and her son that she has, that she just loves dearly, and he loves his mama, you know, he's he ends up hearing, like, the call of his grandfather, the seal, out in the ocean. And he goes to find his grandfather out in the ocean, and he trips over this bundle, and it turns out to be the hidden seal skin of his mom. And he takes it out and he smells it and he just feels like all of the loss of her wildness and then like the essence of her. And he he has such pain and such joy all at the same time that he's like, I have to give this back to her, you know? And so I I think it's symbolic too. It's a little boy or the child um, that's returning this to the mother and um, a male child at that. (laughs) Well, yeah, because Um, the
0: action, right? So, yeah yeah
1: and and being that I have three sons (laughs) it it was very poignant to me I can completely see my children like doing that Um, especially my youngest son who's very in tune to this sense of being wild Um, and so like I found that moment in the story was just like this mother who loves this child like with at the level of her soul Yep. Has to still return to herself. Um, and so to me, there's still a missing piece that the they didn't address the man's sense of abandonment that she left. But you know, he's heartbroken. But he knew at a certain level he did not have the right to take her seal skin, her soul yep. skin from her. Yeah. And, and there's this piece in culture where um, we ask that of each other when we enter relationships. I want you to give up a sense of yourself to be with me. I yeah. want you to be what I want you to be instead of who you really are. And when there's real unconditional love, um you allow them that freedom to yeah. return to the sea. Absolutely. You know?
0: That's what love's all about.
1: Love yeah. all about to let go. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they'll return to you. <laughs> they'll return to you if you let them go and they're allowed to return to who they really are and i think that's what that man feared he said in the story the man says, she says i need my seal skin back my soul skin and he says no if i give it to you you're going to leave me and he knows
0: he knows yeah and that's like men being threatened by she's making too much money she's becoming a popular star you know that kind of stuff um, yes as well, right? That, and there's that, that, that abandonment skin wound. As ransom. Go
1: ahead. There's that abandonment wound all over again. So the man there has not connected to his own soul skin.
0: No, yeah. And for men, they seek the woman outside. And so yeah, this woman and these women actually that he saw initially out on the rocks, um, they had taken off their seal skin, their soul skin, they were women underneath. So they kind of had the ability to live between the worlds, if you will, which a woman does. And um, yeah, he only took one of the skin. So when they went to jump back in the water, only one remained because she,
1: she couldn't go back under the sea. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, well, and, and I would say there, there's a piece to that where you could parallel it with, the toxic masculinity or patriarchy being afraid of the divine feminine they're in awe of it and yet they want to steal it they they want to exploit it rather than revere it and yeah, absolutely and it's that piece there that we're we're trying to um heal instead of you know say one is is of greater power than the other um, come into sacred union. So yeah. there doesn't need to be a sense of stealing your souls. skin. Yeah. Like I want to you and the
0: only way to own you is to weaken you. Precisely. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Where then that, here we go again, you know, trauma, right? And, um, so what's another thing you did to work on your trauma recovery?
1: Well, um, obviously I did some ancestral work and I worked with, actually coming in contact with my father's family who yeah, recently
0: right
1: yeah it, um it was like only really in the last couple of years but i really had to do some metaphysical energy work to release old expectations old mm-hmm. memories memories that i was locked into that i would call uh, moments of soul loss um yeah and when i i had a particular memory when i was like 4 years old and I talked to my father on the phone. Now, now I'll tell you, this is, this is the part that's so eerie to me. I talked to him on the phone last month for the first time in, I would say, 38 years. And I said to him, I haven't talked to you since I was four years old. And that was such a poignant memory for me. Like, I would zone in, go right back to that memory. Probably something that you and your husband would, like, say, okay, this is what we need to work on in <laughs> one of our sessions, right? Right. Um, and I took I spent so much time loving that child at that time. And for years, I was in this frozen state of waiting for something that doesn't come. and it it, it got me into relationships that were dissatisfying, a, a marriage that I felt always unappreciated, always unfulfilled in and then after that i was so disgusted with the process of someone stealing your soul skin that i was afraid of intimacy yeah i got into a relationship with a very unavailable man who was married to somebody else
0: what is the time abandonment and then going after unavailable
1: men yes it's all the process of staying in that energetic pattern of waiting on something that doesn't come right and then I had to really heal that. When I healed it and I said, I need to let this go, and if I let it go, it doesn't mean I'm abandoned. It means I am releasing myself from the pain of disappointment, right? And so when I had that huge shift, that was probably about 2014, 2015, um, I decided I'm going to end this relationship with this person that I was with, my youngest son's father, Right. because he was still involved with somebody else. And I, at that point, I realized I am now available for that, which I wasn't before, which is true sacred union. Right. Wow. And as soon as I made that shift, right. Yeah. I move with friends. I make the final cut, whatever. This person decides that they want to meet me where I'm at. Right. And so now like four five years later, um, we're, you know, living together. We have a new a man. Yeah. No, so he's a he is the same person, but a new relationship. You he's mean? a different person. He's not. Uh, we. Can, I told him. I said the old relationship had to die. You. We cannot come together where you are unavailable. You. Yeah. Oh, you healed a relationship. Got it. Yes. And so, consequently, at that same time. Right around the time my father's family tried to find me I didn't seek them out they found me and I don't think I would have been ready for it had I not released myself from the pain of disappointment right yeah I didn't need that anymore
0: right
1: and so he his family started to you know contact me and through several years of you know phone conversations uh, my grandmother passed last year uh, last month and So I went to her um, funeral for, she didn't really have a ceremony yet because it's the winter and they didn't, they couldn't bury her yet, but
0: for
1: for her passing. And so I met relatives, whatever, and I was able to finally talk to my father on the phone. He's still slightly unavailable, (laughs) and yet I was okay with that. I had no expectations the fact that he talked to me on the phone
0: at your soul walk at the level of your soul right exactly I was
1: I was totally okay one way or the other if he answered the phone if he didn't answer the phone and I was actually um, when he when he did talk to me on the phone me and my brother um, I I felt I saw him a window into his soul and it was like, I forgave him because I saw how brave it was for him at where he was at in his life to actually get on the phone with me and yeah. talk to me and acknowledge that he was sorry and that he loved me. And there was such a worthiness piece for him that it was like, he couldn't give us what we wanted. He couldn't be there. So... so I totally kind of felt like I came full circle and, and yeah, healed that. that. So yeah, so there's that.
0: <laughs> so there's that in a nutshell. <laughs> okay, yeah. So create sacred space. So you you so, definitely were doing that um, in your at the level of your soul and in your inner psyche. With, like, creating the space of no expectation, um, no judgment. even if you did talk to him, right? You weren't going to judge him. Held space that he wouldn't judge you, but you couldn't do that, but you just held space for it. How else do you create sacred space?
1: Well, first I would say I think I created sacred space first to do this work. Yeah. Okay. Um, I call it self-supporting activity it's like you're not going to go out in the middle of winter without a coat on. So I really highly encourage people to learn self-supporting anchoring activities before they open up Pandora's box and, you know, get into memories that may put them very much in a triggered traumatic crisis state Um, because I, I, I see it a lot. I've seen people in full blown crisis where they're ready to shoot themselves and we have to talk them down Mm -hmm. and, take the gun from them um you know and get them to a place where they feel safe Mm -hmm. and these the sacred space that i created people had to teach me this other people had to teach me things that then i felt was like a memory like you're helping me recall what i already know and so that that was really like some of my shamanic mentors um would teach me how to open sacred space through the four, calling in the four winds and really what it is is you're going into the metaphysical realm the spirit realm and um, that's where a lot of our soul goes to when it's in its dissociated state when we have soul loss you know that memory of the four-year-old little girl she's still in that physical spirit the spiritual realm and you go into you know a soul journey to that child and you heal that child at the soul level your higher self right so i had to learn how to do this and i also had to learn i have boundaries and i have a physical body and i also have an energetic body and strengthening that energetic container
0: um
1: and doing it daily because if you don't do it daily you get away from it and then you fill up on all this negative junk uh toxic energy And it stays in your body and that's where disease and stress and what I call neurobiological stress, um, that's ultimately when you're in trauma response, you you have that constant neurobiological stress in your body and you don't even realize it. Like me and you are sitting here, if I have never addressed my trauma, that stress stays in my body at at like a baseline level more than someone who's not experienced that trauma. And it's very subjective too. So learning how to get that stress out of the body, doing some of that somatic therapy, embodiment exercises, right? Um, That, doing it as a daily practice, that's where it helps you to get from being distracted. And when I say distracted, um, drama from your peers, um, people pulling you into their, their, um, mess, their circus, you know, that saying, not my circus, uh, my monkeys.
0: Yeah, you learn. triangulation, someone who yes,
1: you're you in a learn relationship,
0: both in a relationship with someone, and, you know, they're pulling you into things that they should be talking to the other person about. They're trying to, like, process them with you, and it's, it's called triangulation, and it's just yes. kind of making
1: behavior. Well, and you learn, um, when, we, when we talk about the emotionally unavailable man, for me, when I was younger, I was like, what the heck does that mean? What does it mean to be unavailable for something? Well, it means that at some point, you don't even go down that road. <laughs> like, when you're younger and unwise, you, you're, well, this doesn't feel like a good idea, but let me just, I'm curious, let's get involved in this, and then suddenly boundaries your boundaries are. are very porous, and you're involved with this person who you shouldn't be involved with, and then right. you don't understand how you got there, and that's boundaries. And so creating sacred space helps you learn boundaries. When, yeah. when you have this space that's just yours and it's, and it's something you revere and is sacred to you, you don't allow anything else to enter that or, or, or basically dishonor it, right? So part of the seal skin, soul skin story that I really related to was this sense of dishonoring the self, right? Yeah. You Give up your soul skin for relationship. And in doing so, it's dishonoring the self. And so the aspect of getting the seal skin returned to you is a sense of learning to honor yourself. And so you honor yourself through creating sacred space, through creating good boundaries, through deciding what you are and are not energetically available for, and staying strong in your connection to source. Because uh, I think we'll go into this a little bit where you can't be drained if you stay connected to source, you know y- There's there's so you know if you're disconnected from your soul
0: mm-hmm.
1: Then yeah, you're you're relying on the self and the ego to to um, source you resource you but then of course you're going to be drained and I think this is the mother wound in our culture um, Very much so. I learned this story from my mother, you know, be drained, be exhausted, giving to others and and, and giving up self and martyring the self is definitely a a cultural story. Yeah.
0: And it's life in the masculine. And man, if you're doing your business that way, you're not going to have a business. It's (laughs) business is in the feminine (laughs) these days in the new world of Energy out there—it's way more in the feminine, but it's the fully embodied feminine that has invited, you know, the the masculine in. People don't realize
1: this, but the act of earning money uh is actually a very feminine quality is very feminine energy, Mm -hmm. and that's why so many of us have uh, blocks. It comes, money, sex, and power is all part of your second chakra, your sacral (laughs) chakra. that is your creative energy uh, source your womb your yep. womb center is yep. the place where you create
0: yep from. and feminine energy is and a super high seeing. vibration masculine energy is a
1: lower vibration money well, is a vibration and it, the two together high vibration <laughs> the two together work in tandem honestly you go out and do the thing yep but receiving yeah, the thing. money mm-hmm. is the very feminine aspect of it Many of us are very blocked about being in receptive mode um, or allowing ourselves to receive what we've manifested. Um, And so this aspect of not being drained, it's because you stay connected to source. You know, you do it in many energetic exercises, you know, you can stay connected through Mother Earth all the way, you know, all the way down into Mother Earth uh visualizing that and doing it on a spiritual level, a daily meditation practice mm-hmm. or a soul journey. Um, you can stay connected to source through uh the the crown chakra all the way up into the universal womb, you know. Uh I do a lot of warm,
0: <laughs> yeah
1: either way you're opening channels. Uh, um it doesn't matter which way it goes. I mean the upward flow is the masculine, the downward flow is the feminine. But to have both working in tandem, one's not better than the other, No. and, you know, learning this process of yep. how energy flows in your body and where maybe you're blocked, um, that's where you get drained, when you're blocked, when yep. you're feeling that you're not connected to source, you're not connected to universal, infinite energy, right? Yep, um, I'm grounded. <laughs> When you, and so when you when you stay like very powerful and high vibe and connected to source, there's not a need for um, physical boundaries per se. Um, one of the ways that I think this shows up in our culture is um, women and their, their sexuality. They put physical boundaries, they, they put weight on to protect them yeah. Um, or I can't flirt. I'm married. It's like there, yes. There's. If you have a very strong commitment to your partner, you don't need or to a hide. Partner. Yeah, you don't need to hide. You don't need to um create these physical boundaries of like I can't go out. I can't do anything. Um, you know, people who are very sure of who. Where who they are and where they yeah. end and the other person begins, yeah, they don't need protection. They yeah. just have a very good energetic boundary yep. and it's strong and it stays that way. And then they're able to interact with the world in a safer way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If that makes sense. So yeah. when I say
0: for purest form is exactly what you're describing too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, and. And so many people could argue um, boundaries, protection. I, I'm, I'm not saying you should not protect yourself. What I mean by protect yourself is you go into a crowd and you absorb other people's energy. Um, just do your own um, energy practices of maintaining your own boundaries. When you have very strong, good, energetic boundaries of what you will and will not allow, you can go anywhere and do anything and you don't need protection. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it's about respecting the container, you know? So it's like, for yourself. Believe in God, but lock your door. You know, like, what container are you
1: actually living in, you know? Well, and what are you allowing? Like, subconsciously, um, we allow others to disrespect our boundaries, and that because we have a lot of stories around what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, when I was when I was talking to a relative, my cousin, about you know some issues that I had with my ex-husband, most recently my children and visitation and all that, um, and she said, "Why do so many of us women have this story of being with some man who um, basically stole our soul skin and we had to retrieve it? And what's going on with that? Why is that such a rite of passage? Why is that such a?" story of like kind of the, the fallen maiden or or right. I don't know the way to put it, you know, the lost soul skin. You know what why do so many of us in our culture have that story? Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, we we already have everything we need. We already have the memories of who we are, of returning to oneself. We already know we we just need to create that space to acknowledge Honor that and go back to it right
0: yeah absolutely and some women just cringe when other women use the word maiden and they don't have the concept they don't have the background and the understanding of what maiden really meant so go like go look that up people (laughs) cuz Christina wasn't talking about weakness when she said maiden she said fallen maiden right there's a difference right yeah. So you're in your power as a maiden. And it's interesting in Native America too, um, some of the tribes, the the women owned the tents and, you know, they ran the money and they, they owned the money, if you will. So mm-hmm. it's kind of fascinating when you kind of look way, way, way back. Um, and the original gods were um, actually in female form too. Yes. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, and God is neither male
1: nor female. It's like patriarchy, people. <laughs> well, and I want to be real clear to delineate: patriarchy isn't against men; it's against the suppression of women. You know, that's not against it, it's for the suppression, of women. yeah, for the suppression of women. <laughs> but when people talk about toxic masculinity and patriarchy, they, it's like um, there's not a desire to. Flip the script and then have women in charge, and you know all of a sudden like this Amazonian, um, oh yeah, no. utopia or whatever. There's a desire for sacred union, for an honoring of the both, because we have the both. Mm-hmm. We all do. Yep, we have both, and I think we live in a culture where where the men are not honoring their divine feminine, and that's where the toxic masculinity is coming from. And the, Jesus did. He was
0: quite the Sheba. <laughs> oh,
1: he was, for right. real.
0: And, and yeah, he didn't, he didn't believe in patriarchy. He wasn't, he wasn't all about patriarchy at all. And he was very much about relationship.
1: Oh, if you want to go into the whole Yeshua Magdalene sacred union, we can talk hours
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> that's your thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. This is so good. Thank you.